But eventually traffic will get blocked and then you could get fined up to $10,000 per SMS if you are not registered with the campaign registry or your traffic can get blocked. And that can be devastating for a small business because let's say you run a hair salon and you send out, you know, 500 messages a month, right? All of a sudden, half of them get blocked, right? right. Well, you lose half your customers. What does that do? Not only does it do, do your revenue, it cuts in half. If half the people don't show up for the haircuts, right? Or doctor's appointments or dentist appointments or vet clinics or dance studios, you name it. All these small businesses are the ones who are going to be most affected by this campaign registry because they're relying on text messaging to communicate with their customers and employees, but they have the least resources to manage this complicated process. Hello, and welcome to another episode of The Dirt, the podcast where we dig into the stories of entrepreneurs who have been through, well, the dirt, and are now successfully scaling their businesses on the path towards a liquidity event. Today, we are thrilled to have with us the founder and CEO of Red Oxygen, Tommy Sheehan. Red Oxygen is a leading company in the world of communication and tech, specializing in messaging solutions for businesses across the globe. We go deep into some super important things happening in the macro SMS market that should have all business owners listening up and leaning in. This is The Dirt Podcast, and I am your host, Jim Barnish. To support us, please check out our sponsor, Orchid Black, at orchid.black, and subscribe on your favorite podcast platform. All right, Tommy, let's dig right in. Can you start by sharing your personal journey leading up to the founding of Red Oxygen? Sure. Um, well, I graduated uh, from Southern Methodist University in Dallas uh, in 87, right when the, the, the death penalty started and I had roommates were playing football and so forth. And I went and I got into technology. Um, uh, I got recruited by Aero Electronics to sell semiconductors to startups. And there were about 50 kids in my training class and they hired about three or four from SMU. And we all wanted to get the heck out of Dallas, um, go to a bigger city, go to New York, go to San Francisco, go to LA, go to Chicago. And they'd secretly just hired us for Dallas. So we started in the Dallas market and um, unbeknownst to us, they hired all the SMU kids for Dallas. I figured it'd be easier for them to transition and so forth to the, to the real world. Um, and I was selling uh, 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 electronic components to a company called Intervoice. And at the time, there was probably 20 or 30 people. And um, uh, one day, there's uh, Marjorie Taylor, uh, a different Marjorie Taylor, not Marjorie Taylor Green, <laughs> not, not the bad one. This, this was a good one. She called me up, met me up for lunch, and, and uh, uh I thought it was date and uh, uh, she, she was, it was a job interview and she's like, would you like to come work for us? I was like, Oh, okay, sure. I never thought about it. And uh, I ended up working for Intervoice and they were a lovely company. They were kind of one of Texas's high flyers at the time in the nineties. They did IVR. So press one for your account balance, press two for your, and um, I moved to Nashville with them um, back in the nineties and uh, grew the market there. And then they offered me a position to open up the Australian office. And I was in my early 30s and it took me two seconds to say, you're paying my airfare, my food, my rent, and I get the same salary and stock options. Hold on, let me think. Yes. Um, <laughs> so I moved to Australia, uh, fell in love with the country and it is a wonderful country. Um, and, and it's, it's, it's a very interesting country because, you know, they don't like to leave. They kind of have a, um, self-deprecating personality. You know, they, they don't know how wonderful they are. They're like, um, they, they don't know how smart they are. They don't know how wonderful they are. They're, they, 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 they're always looking for, for assurances. Um, and, um, um, and Australia was a GSM only country. Uh, and that in regards to technology, you know, they look, to Europe to go a certain way. They look to the U S to go a certain way and like, Oh, the U S screwed up this way. We're going to go the European way and vice versa. So it's an each, an interesting uh, amalgamation of different cultures. Um, and the Australians went GSM only, which is the European standard for a uh, wireless uh, and GSM. If, if all of you know is, is group systems mobile. It's what we use today. Um, and, 
And a part of GSM is text messaging. Um, and text messaging, it was built into the GSM networks. And it was SIM-based. And one of the reasons why GSM took off was most of the world is, is not wealthy. And they could sell you a SIM for 10 cents or a dollar, and then you could buy your own used phone and so forth, and you can be a subscriber. Where all the U.S. carriers and networks were all uh, phone-based. So they'd have to sell you a $300 device or $200 device. Now there's $1,000 devices. And then they'd have you'd have to pay it on payments, and most of the world doesn't have sophisticated credit systems, uh, or or are they wealthy? You know, we're we going to eat this year. We're we going to buy the new iPhone. The question's really easy. They're going to eat. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, I fell in love with text messaging. I was actually working on a project with Foxtel, and they were sending, uh, "Hey, we're canceling your cable for eight dollars." They're spending eight dollars to send out a notification to, to mail and so forth, print and and say, "Hey, we're cutting off your cable tomorrow." Or, or next week or next Tuesday or whatever. And I was like, why can't we send this via text, right? Well, this is, I was starting to text, this is 1998. And, and you gotta remember the U.S. was not texting, right? The U.S., this was this was a foreign European application. Um, and um, um, and I, I thought, hey, this would be a great opportunity to, to, to and I always wanted to build a, a recurring revenue company, right? I always wanted to do something that I, I didn't sell a bunch of software and then we're down to zero for the next month. And I got to send some more software or services or whatever, right? Because then you mm-hmm. then you really got highs and lows. I want to do recurring revenue. And part of my job with Intervoice was I sold it. We bought a company called Bright Voice Systems, which was um, they sold the prepaid calling card a prepaid a mobile phone system to uh, British Telecom or O2 at the time. And um, they were getting like 8% recurring revenue from this. Like British Telecom was selling the the, the phones and, and billing and all this other stuff. And they thought that they were British Telecom customers, but they're actually uh, Intervoice Bright customers. And they were getting re- a recurring revenue off that. And, and I was like, this is a great model. Right. So I came up with the idea of building a plugin for Outlook um, to send text messages um, to people's cell phones, and then they can reply back to their Outlook because everybody's using Outlook, right? right. And uh, um, we thought I'd sell to the mobile operators who so could be branded, you know, Swisscom or Vodafone or whoever. And um, uh, Red Oxygen was founded, and we were the world's first application to person messaging. Uh, before all these CPAS providers, you know, Twilio's and bandwidths and so forth, uh, they didn't exist. Uh, and most of the carriers did not open up their SMSCs yet, right? So we were actually delivering these messages off Nokia 5110s and a laptop and a bunch of SIM cards. And we still use that method in certain markets that are very difficult to deliver. Right. Um, and uh, Red Auction was founded. And we thought we'd sell to the mobile operators and the mobile operators would sell to the enterprises. And, you know, we'd be a unicorn. Um the mobile operators did not turn out to be the best channel to market. And so we pivoted to the enterprise and we, we you know, kind of completed our solution suite of integrating into Gmail, integrating to Excel, having a web-based solution, all these enabling tools that allow people to send text messages without a developer. And, we, and we've grown since then and we've pivoted the enterprise, but we were never um, VC funded. So, you know, when Telstra offered us a direct connection to um, their their SMSC, which now be really it was like it's like a landing slot at Heathrow Airport, right? You know, for an airline, right? Um, and I didn't take it because I didn't have the capital. I I couldn't commit to I don't know what it was like maybe ten thousand or hundred thousand dollars a month, whatever the number was, whatever it was, I couldn't afford it. Mm-hmm. And uh, so we didn't do the direct connection. So. Uh, we just focused on building these enabling tools and 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 uh, working with partnerships, and we never really kind of competed in the API space. Um, and now we are because of the campaign registry and, and what opportunities and difficulties that brings to the industry, but also the opportunities it brings to the industry. So you mentioned you mentioned the campaign registry, um, and uh, we'll get back to Red Oxygen in a second. But there's there's some groundbreaking things happening in your sector, right? Um, talk about what the campaign registry is and how people need to be thinking about it. Okay, um, and, and this goes back to the earlier conversations. Most of these telecommunications authorities have um, always had intercarrier fees, where carrier A sends to carrier B, carrier A has to send give some money to carrier B. 
And going back 20 years ago, a lot of these countries were deregulating, selling off their wireless carriers, you know, um, and a lot of investors were like, hey, I don't want to go to the Australian market and buy a secondary and buy into a secondary carrier or fund a secondary carrier if Telstra or Swisscom is the behemoth in that market and they're going to say and they're going to dictate whatever happens. Right. And so most of these telecommunications authorities are much stronger. So they're like, hey, boys, you all need to play fair. You know, you need to play fair. We're going to set the intercarrier fees and so forth. OK, mm -hmm. the U.S. has a hit. This is much as much cultural as it is technology. Right. So, and you have to look at this from an anthropology perspective. Right. The U.S. is very much anti-government. Government bad. You know, government don't take over my health care. Government don't tell me what to do, except right. when women's rights are concerned. Um, um, but, um, um, and, and so. Intercarrier fees have been around the world for decades. OK, and. I'm not going to name the name, but there is a certain CPAS provider that's a very dominant player in this space, sued the FCC to say, hey, because you go back 10 years ago, the carriers were charging people to receive a text and to send a text, receive a call and to place a call. And, and that also affected the adoption rates of cell phones in the U.S., right? Because people didn't give out their cell phone number, right? Because like, hey, I don't want you racking up my my phone bill, right? Because I only get 300 minutes on Sprint or whatever, blah, blah. So adoption rates and uh, penetration rates were always like really low in the U.S. because of this. Right. And so that faded away. And the U.S. eventually adopted the European and Asian model of of texting. Like, hey, don't charge people to receive a text, you know, charge them when they send a text. Right. So so intercarrier fees have been around for decades. Right. And so the U.S. So this CPAS provider sued the FCC to say, hey, you're getting money when I send a text to somebody's phone. And you have this whole short code business, you can't double dip. So there were no intercarrier fees in the US until of, of March of 2022. And that's when they started implementing this, the campaign registry. And the campaign registry is an industry consortium. So it's not the FCC as much as I would like for the FCC to take over this, um, because you're, you're seeing the flaws in self regulation. And this is a great. You know, microcosm of, of, of what not to do with self-regulation. And so, so they're started doing intercarrier fees. So as of March 2022, every application to person messaging has to be registered on the campaign registry, right? And, and when you register yourself or your clients, you have to submit what is your EIN? What is your address? What is your website? What is your message content? Um, what is your throughput, right? And then you are vetted and whether you can send messages per month. And you have a campaign, a monthly campaign fee based on your volume. You have a per message fee. You have a vetting fee. You have um, a, a registration fee. And this is, we talked about poor self-regulation. T-Mobile has decided, you know, to charge you $250 if you don't send a text message on their network every 60 days. What hair salon is going to know what network they're on, right? Mm -hmm. What doctor's office is going to know what network their customers are on? They're not, right? Anyways, um, so with the campaign registry, there's additional fees and fines. And if you're not registered, your traffic's going to get blocked. And that blocking is just starting this month. You're going to see it more and more ramped up. I think they're kind of giving it more forgiveness right now because, you know, they're being flooded with applications of registrations and so forth. But eventually traffic will get blocked and then you could get fined up to $10,000 per SMS if you are not um, uh, registered with the campaign registry or your traffic can get blocked. And that can be devastating for a small business because let's say you run a hair salon and you send out, you know, 500 messages a month, right? All of a sudden, half of them get blocked. Right. Right. Well, you lose half your customers. What does that do? Not only does it do, do your revenue, it cuts in half. If half the people don't show up for the haircuts. Right. Or doctor's appointments or dentist appointments or vet clinics or dance studios. You name it. All these small businesses are the ones who are going to be most affected by this campaign registry because they're relying on text messaging to communicate with their customers and employees. But they have the least resources to manage this complicated process, right? So they're not going to know, right? And most of their software vendors, right, that they're buying the text messages from, from their ISV. So somebody's written some vet office um, 
software or somebody's written some dance studio software or some gym software. Most of these software packages have no idea how many text messages this dentist office sent versus this dentist office sent, right? I was talking to a very large provider in the dental industry and they have 41,000 dentist office, right? And I said, what are you guys doing about this? And they're like, we're just trying to register our 41,000 dentists. And then I said, what are you doing about the additional cost? We don't know. We got to figure that out, right? Because they don't know how bad this is going to be when it hits their bottom line, right? I mean, and, and if you don't know, you know, one dentist office may send 500 messages and you're charging 150 bucks for the software, right? But then you're charging this other guy 150 bucks for the software, but he's sending out 10,000 messages, right? Well, the cost of goods sold is, is tripled up has tripled and, and now you're losing money on the guy that's sending out 5,000 messages because you don't know how many messages he's sending out. Right. So what, what, what's something uh, or some things that business owners can do to be more proactive, right? Like imagine there's a lot of education that comes with well, the times the, that we're well, at. Well, they need to reach out to their, their CRM vendor to make sure they are registered. Right. Um, so, it, it, and, and, and a lot of them are just allowing that to happen. Like, I talked to my vet office and they're like, oh, our software vendors can like that. Okay. But have they registered you? He's like, I'm on the board. I said, are you registered? He's like, I know nothing about this. Hmm. You know, I, I, I haven't given them my, you know, business number, my EIN. I haven't registered. So if you are buying text messages from somebody, whether it's your CPAS provider or your software provider, make sure you are registered. Right. Make sure you are registered and you have a campaign register ID. And now you can port that to another provider. Right. It, it's not theirs. It's yours. It's tied to your EIN number and your business. So it's not owned by the software vendor. It's not owned by the CPAS provider. Got it. Got it. And, and what like what how is business changing for you? Like how how is how is the way that you fit and red oxygen fits into the landscape changing with all of this campaign registry rollout. So what we see is our advantage is we can go to these software vendors to say, Hey, Tulio was just delivering your text messages. We can deliver your text messages and we can provide you with end user billing, right? So we can quantify that and we can sign up all of your 41,000 dentist office to to text messaging plans. You know, you can have a small, a medium, a large, extra large, and so forth. And instead of this being a loss leader for you, this could be a revenue generator for you, right? So either we can bill and collect from those end users because we've been doing this for 23 years, or we can provide you with the data and you bill and collect from your end users, right? As a separate bill, or you can add it to your existing infrastructure. So we can provide you a flat file and you can add these items, but we allow you, so we provide compliance. So we'll make sure all of your customers are compliant. So your, your, all your dentist office are compliant. We'll make sure that they're, invoiced or billed for the traffic that they use and any additional fees and fines. We can also add the technology to make sure we send a text message to a T-Mobile number every 60 days so you don't get fined. And the problem is this stuff is going, it keeps changing and they keep moving the goalposts, right? I mean, T-Mobile initially was going to charge $50 for every account registered, right? Imagine Verizon did that and AT&T. Then you got to pay a registration, 150 bucks to the carriers, then a setup fee, then, a, you know, so your costs have tripled. Right. Right. And, and you got to manage this. You can't just say, hey, oh, it's text messaging. It's cheap. It's not cheap anymore. And it needs to be quantified. And, you know, and, and, and it, it's particularly hard in the U.S. because SMS was so cheap. Right. When SMS was you're only paying a third of a cent or half a cent to you know, Twilio, hey, no big deal. Just add it. Just they and and because all these CPAS writers, they've all been focused on selling to the developer, right? Mm-hmm. They're all. I mean, you drive down the Highway 101 in Silicon Valley, and what do you see? Twilio. Ask your developer. Well, your developer doesn't care about this problem. You know what? They did their job. They got the text messages to go through. They're done. It's funny. I was talking to this investor at the SAS open, right? And um, she was eating lunch. So we were in the lunchroom 
or eating breakfast. And, and I was giving her my pitch and what's going on. And there's a guy standing right next to us. He goes, I run a real estate company. We're getting blocked. And the developer finally sent me the freaking email to, to get registered. And I was like, and she's like, is he a plant? I'm like, no, I swear to God, this is what's happening all over the world. Right. And, and they're probably not going to do anything until they start getting blocked. All right. All right. So, um, is there, is there a path that, um, they can be a little bit more proactive, obviously, other than listening in right now and saying, holy cow, I got to call somebody. But, but is there, is there a path that allows for a little bit more education or is going to allow for a little bit more education in advance of that? Or is this really something that's just going to be incredibly reactive for most business owners? It's going to be reactive because I mean, you know, even, even the trade shows we've been to, right. The SAS open and we went to uh, IT expo in Florida and, and, I'm like, yep. why are you not talking about this? This needs to be front and center of a communication. Oh, well, we haven't thought about it, right? It, it's almost like we're going to have a COVID moment and we're Moderna, right? The shit's going to hit the fan. And, and like we even had conversations with Cisco and they're like, you guys are spot on. No one's doing this. No one's addressing this, right? They all think it's and, – and I even spoke with the former FCC chairman. He was like, we didn't think about this. I'm like, how can you not think about this, how it's going to affect small businesses? Hmm. The larger high volume users, the Googles, the Facebooks, you know, the Amazons, they're big enough and they're sophisticated enough. This is no big deal. This is just right. operations. They probably have a whole department that just does SMS, right? Because yeah. they're sending millions of messages. But but these smaller people that have relied on SMS as part of their their business flow, they don't have the resources. And even these software developers, right? You know, you've written some vet software or you've written some dental software or dance studio software. You're going to have to assign your programmers to now write a telecommunications module to count the number of text messages each one of the your customers are sending and make sure there's error processing in it. Make sure the messages was went through. Make sure the numbers are correct number of digits, yada, yada, yada. They're basically yeah. going to have to build a red oxygen or partner with us. Yeah. Well, I mean, there's there's a lot of research that that suggests I think like 65, 70 percent of consumers prefer SMS as their go to receiving for notifications from businesses. So, you know, it, it's it's what should the consumer be thinking about as it relates to um, as it relates to this problem? Like, well, you know, most of the consumers are not going to know this is happening. Right. Well, they're and, not going the to get it, notifications. <laughs> well, they're not going to get the notification. In fact, my vet, who I talked to about this, I said, hey, I'm not getting your text, right? And they're like, really? I said, I told you about this. And they don't know what to do about it. Well, and, and you know, the office manager calls, you know, and they're like, oh, yeah, we got it handled. We're fine, right? And they're not doing anything about it, right? There's this whole line of discommunication, right? And, right. and, and it's going to affect someone's small business, right, to realize, oh, gosh, you know, um, why am I not getting these, these, these text messages? Right. Why am I not getting it? Um, and, but the, the, the business owner, why didn't Betty show up for her Tuesday appointment? Right. Right. Why did we lose that hair appointment? Right. And then they'll say, Hey, we missed you the last couple of times. And she'd be like, well, I never got your text messages. Right. So there, there's, there's going to be a point of disconnection. Right. And until it, it's, it's a massive problem, you know, it's, it's, you know, going to be an issue. So obviously you guys are riding the market wave now or going to be riding the market wave for some time. But I imagine 1998, you were probably a little bit early to market for uh, some of what you brought into the world, right? We, we were so early. I, I remember coming back to Texas, right? Talking to some VCs going, this text messaging stuff is stupid. Who's going to send a text message sitting on your phone? I get 500 minutes for Sprint for free. You know, <laughs> granted it was Texas, but in, in, in the early 2000s, but you know, it's going to happen guys. Like it's, it's going to happen. It's going to be a problem. Um, so, yeah. So what, like what, what are some of the, some of the lessons learned from being too early to market that, um, that you've got for other founders? Keep your costs down. You know, I mean, the worst thing is, is you start spending money that you don't have thinking you're going to get capital. And also with the markets the way they are now, most good companies, long term, 
we're born during recessionary times. I'm not saying we're in a recession because we're still having growth over growth, right? But it is more difficult to get capital, right? So, you know, um, and there's also a lot of government programs too. Um, like we get R&D tax credits from Australia. If you are a founder, you know, they've got export marketing development grants, commercialization grants. Australia does, New Zealand does, Switzerland does, Singapore does, even the U.S. does. So, you know, look around for government programs, um, but think about your business. How are you going to make money, right? Mm-hmm. You know, people worry about like, oh, my gosh, you know, all these fundings dried up. And it's like, no, all these companies were, you know, giving their employees back massages and having, you know, Venus and Serena talk on their users conference without thinking about how they can make money. Like mm-hmm. the end of the day, it doesn't matter what your business is. You have to make money, Right. And you have to make a profit, right? And and during these recessionary times, it kind of brings people back to earth, right? What are you doing? What problem are you solving? How are you going to make money doing it? Um, and you know, be frugal. When when you um, you know, obviously some uh, some navigation required when you guys were too early to market. Um, around uh, just general uh, ability to 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 drive growth, but I know you guys also did a lot of education um, and on the market on the value of of what you were offering and and how, how so how did some of that impact the growth of Red Oxygen the education the awareness the the things that you were the strategies you were basically doing and employing to educate the market. Well, it, but you can't unless you unless you're big enough where you've got advertising you can't really move markets right. I mean. You know, you, you have to like study markets and see what are people doing, right? And why, right? So we didn't even enter the U.S. market until 2009 because we knew it was a loss, right? right. I remember getting a phone call from the project product manager of Office in 2003. He goes, I want to put your software on Bill Gates and Steve Ballmer's desktop, and I want to text everybody in the room. And we're going to launch Office 2003 because he got a hold of our software. I had a friend of mine from SMU. She got us into the product group and he was texting his Singaporean brother-in-law and the Singaporean brother-in-law was texting back about his wedding plans. Right. He's like, this is freaking amazing. Like, oh, my God. I'm texting my brother-in-law. He's showing up on his phone in Singapore and he's texting back. Granted, this is 2003. So he calls me up. He's like, I'm going to put the Bill Gates, Steve Bomber's desktop and we're going to text everybody in the room. And I had to say, hey, it's not going to work. Because what do you mean? I said it works in Fiji and Africa and Asia and all over Europe, but it doesn't work in Seattle. Because what do you mean? I said the operating systems or the communication systems that the U.S. have implemented are OS2 and Apple Macintosh and the world's on Windows. He goes, oh, wow. You know, they, they set up these proprietary networks, right, mm-hmm. because of deregulation, right? So – and th- this comes into the anthropology sector. Why did the U.S. adopt IDEN, which was Nextel, right? And, and you look at Motorola had 95% market share of the handset space in 1992. And now they're irrelevant. And they're owned by the Chinese, right? What did they do? They got greedy and they got arrogant. They wanted on the network. They wanted the handsets. They wanted my, 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 right? Mm-hmm. And what did Qualcomm do? They wanted the chipset. So it was all proprietary. It was all tied to the chipset, right? In fact, AT&T had to rip out their infrastructure in 2000 because no one would make them phones. Because if you're a phone and you were making your your choice on which carrier to go with, like, oh, he's got a cool phone. He's got a cool phone. In fact, Verizon had to pay Apple to configure the iPhone to work on the CDMA network because Apple's like, we're not paying for that. Why would we pay to get our phone to work on your network? You've got 300 million subscribers. There's 6 billion people I could sell this phone to, right? I'm not wasting my resources, right? So when you have proprietary networks and, 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 and so AT&T converted GSM to get the handsets, right? Of course they got the, the iPhone first, right? So it's, you know, you can study history and it repeats itself. Yeah, study of cycles always hopefully always make some money off of it. yeah so when when you were when you were um in this mode though i 
I imagine partnerships and collaborations and other things with people who had maybe a little bit more money and a little bit more opportunity to educate were important to Red Oxygen's growth, right? Yeah. Talk about any in particular that really helped to fuel the growth and any anything that well, you went through. Well, we, initially, we really thought we'd sell to the mobile operators, right? So, like, our first customer was Swisscom. And, you know, Swisscom is like the valedictorian of mobile operators in Europe, right? And and they're Swiss. Like, you know, they get shit done and it's freaking yeah. perfect. And e- even their invoices were beautiful with, like, these gorgeous paper clips, right? You know, they're the Swiss. The paper is like this beautiful font. Anyways, you know. And, and they made us a better customer, right? And and we thought we could get to the mobile operators. They could do the education because they had they had they had the market, they had the dominance, they had the billing relationships. But the the mobile operators were, you know, even even we launched our product. I think it was like three million dollars in revenue to Swisscom, and but to them that's nothing. Like they're right. a billion dollar company and they, they, they're they like, hey, yeah, it's a nice product, but we can focus our resources on another product and make a hundred million dollars. So it's too small and it's almost, you know, and, and you make mistakes, right? You know, we should have gone harder after the API space um, earlier on um, than we are now. Um we probably shouldn't have focused on the mobile operators as long as we did uh, and realized that was a bad channel. Um, and, you know, you make mistakes along the road, you know, um, you, you make, uh, and you, it, it's healthy to question yourself. It's healthy to even ask your team, are we on the right path? Right. Are we yeah. doing the things right? And, and when you were, when you were going through that, what, what was the reason that you did take so long to not focus on the mobile operators and focus more on API? Um, I, I was so convinced it was a good strategy. You know, I, I was so, I mean, cause we had a use case, a good case study with Swisscom. It was, they were effective and they, they, they probably were the most, the best in the world with application of person messaging without one. Uh, I think they had like, 300 or 400,000 users on it. And and that's a lot for a country of 6 million people. Um, yeah. and, but it was Swisscom. So it was like their AT&T. Um, and we thought we could replicate that, you know, um, and we really, we really couldn't. Um, and it, and it wasn't that big of a product for them. And another thing was the carriers were always very focused on billing the MSI CN number, the 10 digit long code or their, their MS, uh, their, their, their mobile phone number. And the problem with that is the people that use the product the most are generating operations. Let's say it's a secretary sending out, Hey, notifications to whatever, or an office manager, whatever. And typically her phone bill was not paid for by the corporation. Right. So mm-hmm. they would have to, um, you know, you know, and, 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 but the, the the carriers always wanted to bill it to the cell phone number and that person's cell phone number wasn't paid for by the company. So she's like, screw this. I'm not racking up $300 on my phone bill right. right, or whatever number of messages they're going to send. So that was difficult. Uh, and, and, you know, we couldn't get them to change to bill off an IP address or a domain name or an email address, even though if we, we could provide the data for that. It, it didn't work. So. What are, what are some other, um, call them obstacles that, that you had to observe and learn from as you guys growed and navigated the, the changing landscape and, and how were you able to overcome it? Uh, perseverance, you know, um, and listening to your team, right? I, I mean, I've had employees with me for over 20 years, um, and, and treat them with dignity and respect, um, and, and you'll get other perspectives from them because they care too. They want you success. They want their job, right? Mm-hmm. Um, treat them like partners and owners, not employees. Um, Cause you're going to make mistakes. How do you do, how do you do that? How do you make sure you treat your employees with, with dignity and respect? Well, it's your attitude. It's your personal attitude. Um, um, we, you know, we, we still have weekly meetings, right? And realize people have lives, right? You know, like, hey, 
You know, the good thing about this new technology, you know, we're on Zoom or not Zoom, but uh, a podcast, you know, let them work from home. They got a sick kid, you know, um, let them have a bad day, pay right. for their health insurance. Right. Um, you know, that's a huge concern for people. Right. I had one employee who was like, oh, I'm not going to get health insurance. It's too expensive. I'm like, bullshit you are. You know, we're going to pay 75% of it. And he's thankful because he had an issue. We all have issues. We're all going to get sick. Right. And unfortunately, we don't have universal health care in this country. Um, uh, and that's a huge thing for the U.S. Like that's like, Major. you know, health insurance is massive. Like you want to keep and retain employees because that's everybody's everybody's mind. How do I pay right. for it? Right. You know, right. how do I, how do I stay current? Right. And it is, it is expensive. It is, it is super expensive. Our healthcare costs are, are, you know, three times what Australia spends in healthcare. Right. I mean, I mean, our healthcare costs are almost 20% of our budget. Right. Or, or, right. or, or, and, and you know what it is in Australia? 1% of my payroll any over a million dollars. Right. So screw your tax cuts. Give me universal health care. Because right? not only do they live longer and drink more beer, <laughs> they live longer and their health care costs are cheaper. Right. So, I mean. And fosters taste better. <laughs> I mean, copy the freaking plan. I mean, go to Australia and just, hey, what are you doing? We're going to copy the fucking plan. Right. You know, it's not rocket science. <laughs> I mean, we could take the money we already spent in Medicare and Medicaid, which is 8% of our GDP. Right. And that's what Australia spends on their total healthcare system. We could take that and cover everyone if no. we implemented implemented the the improvements. Right, uh, the, uh, uh, they ban pharmaceutical advertising. We're the only country on the planet that has pharmaceutical advertising. Right, we're in. Right, right. I mean, uh, you know, you want you want better outcomes, better employees. Universal healthcare, right? You know, so, so and also, and one of the things is is probably people feel tied to their jobs because they have health insurance, right? I can't go off and start my own because right. oh my gosh, right. I got to pay my mortgage, my rent, now I got to pay thousand dollars a month for health insurance, right? Yeah, it's actually amazing how how entrepreneurial the U.S. economy is as a whole compared to other nations. When you look when you look at the fact that healthcare is the worst and things like that are uh, extremely expensive. The amount mm-hmm. that you need to save up and you need to feel like well, you're ready. A lot ready of people don't have health insurance. What's that? Yeah, I mean, a lot, of, a lot of people just still don't have health insurance, right? Right, or or that, yeah, or yeah. exact, exact, exactly. So, so coming back to uh, uh, the sector and the macro trends, how how do you think um, that the just general communication technology sector, we'll call it, will evolve over the next? five, 10 years and, and how red oxygen is able to adapt to some of those changes. Well, it's interesting when it's always important to study people's trends. Right. And, um, I was even like, uh, um, trying to book something for this weekend. Right. And, and the person did not want to send me an email. I'm like, no, 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 no. I need to look at this, right? I need to look at this. Uh, and they and they're probably I don't know, but I would assume they're a millennial, right? And they just wanted to use text messaging, right? And then they wanted to use Venmo. And I'm like, mm, I need that person's cell phone number to verify that they're the right. Oh, but he doesn't want to get the pro number. I'm like, that's fine, but you're using a consumer to consumer app, right? But you're yeah. a business, right? And so you have these millennials that are so anti-email and 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 uh, PC and 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 they're they're just on the phone, right? And they want everything instantaneous and they want everything as a meme, right? Which is good and bad, right? Yeah. yeah. And, but this is the way the world is changing, right? They want to scroll through Instagram, right? They don't want to write an email. They don't want to send an email to you. Um, they don't want to. Um, and how they will come to terms with it, I don't know. Right. Um, um, Soon we'll but, be leaving you know, off. Continue TikTok to study video. it. Yeah. Um, but and it's also be interesting too. like what happens with the campaign registry. Right. Right. Because if the carriers make this so onerous for businesses to send text messages, the consumers will migrate 
to maybe a WhatsApp, right? And and, 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 and you, well, and, and look at, if you look at the adoption rates of WhatsApp, where there, where there's high penetration rates is either there's poor delivery, right? Brazil had very poor delivery, intercarrier delivery because they adopted the U S model. So you had IDEN, CDMA, TDMA, GSM, they adopt the U S model. So their, their whole network was screwed up. Same thing with India, right? And, or, or SMS costs are high, like Germany, SMS costs were like 10 euro cents a message, right? So people were like, screw that. Like I'm not having delivery problems, but I don't want to pay that. Right. Right. So I'm going to get all my friends on WhatsApp. Right. And, and then, or you have a draconian regime like in Saudi Arabia, which is like 95% uh, um, penetration rate of cell phone users have WhatsApp. Right. And that's because their, their, their regime just says, turns off the SMSC. You know, hey, well, I don't want to. I don't want a revolution. I don't want to. I don't want people bitching. You can't march in the streets. I'm turn the text messaging off, right? Um, so those are the three components. And if the carriers, you know, make this so arduous, you might see a migration to a platform. You know, so uh, and and I also see this as a start of digital regulation, though. Um, one of the problems we have in our democracy and all democracies around the world is we have these nefarious actors uh, that are using these platforms to spread disinformation and lies, right? So we don't have an honest public forum anymore where we could get factual information. Right. Um, you know, you, um, you know, there are Americans that believe the world is flat, right? Um, and, you know, they go down these rabbit holes, right? And until we do digital identity, right? I mean, like what is going on with the campaign registry. So, you know, they're trying to block spam, but I could literally sue the FCC to say, hey, my data is being discriminated against and Facebook's isn't and Twitter's isn't, right? So if you're going to post online, identify who you are, right? right. And and I've, I've spoken to several senators, Senator Klobuchar and Senator Masto in Nevada, and they were shocked that this was going on in the campaign registry. And I was like, hey, but this is not perfect, but it gives you a template for more regulation from the FCC, right? So if you're going to post online, give us your cell phone number. Give us a government-issued ID, right? Or right. if you don't, you can only post once a day, right, to try to control these bots, right? Try to control – I mean, Vladimir Putin has office towers. Their full-time job is read disinformation lies, Right. Yep. Like, and, and, and attack. I mean, red oxygen was attacked right before the elections because of my comments on CNN. So um, no it's real. Yeah, it, it's we are in a cyber warfare um, and, you know, um, digital identity is so important. Right. Um, so I would like to see more of that. Right. So when you are chatting to somebody, they're actually are from Iowa, not from Moscow. Mm-hmm. Right. And, and, and who are they and how do I identify this person? How do I verify this person that they're a real person, right? They are who they are, right? And, and we need to hold all platforms, all media companies accountable, right? They yeah. are social media companies, but they need to be held liable as a broadcast and print, right? So, oh, I'm just a platform. I'm Facebook. Bullshit. You're a media company. You generate advertising dollars. You're spreading lies and disinformation about me personally. I want to sue you for libel, right? And I want to sue the person who's spreading it, right? And until we start holding these platforms accountable, right, to the same rules and regulations as all media companies, we're still going to have these problems. So last question before we hop into uh, the Founder 5. So R- RCS is a, is a rich communication services is a, is a big term being thrown around as kind of next-gen messaging protocol, things like that. What do, you, what do you think of RCS? How does that affect what you do at Red Oxygen? How does, how does that affect the campaign registry, things along those lines? Uh, well, RCS is, is Google's answer to iMessage, okay? Mm-hmm. Well, all right, so – and I, I tried to adopt it, right? But the problem is, and they have the same problem Microsoft has, right? Where you have all these different manufacturers, all these different processors, right? And you're trying to control the protocol, right? The thing I hate about Apple is it's a closed environment. The thing I love about Apple is it's a closed environment. They know what you have, right? They know what processor you have, they know what memory you have. And so when I first tried RCS, right? 
Right. I was like, yeah, cool. Awesome. I want to try it, man. This is Rick's rich content service is freaking awesome. Right. You know, well, they thought I had a, uh, like Samsung phone. Right. So they sent me the Samsung di- download where I actually was using one of those Nokia phones, Nokia. Um, and, and they're like, Oh, we don't have one for that. Right. And I got into like the senior support people at RC at, at AT&T and they're like, and, and they're going to have those issues because it's not a controlled environment. And also because when it's a SIM-based solution, right? So I've got a SIM, so if it's tied to my SIM, I can port or virtual SIM, I can port that to any device, right? Yeah. Now, is every device going to have that same RCS, right? So is, is the Samsung file going to be the same as the Apple file or the same as, you know, uh, Yahweh, whatever, right? And so... um they're going to have the same problems that with Windows has, right? And it's not going to be as smooth, and 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 uh, and that's what we're seeing. So I would like for it to happen. I think that could be another channel, uh, and maybe you know prevent people from going to a WhatsApp or um, uh, and and probably the carriers want it to happen too, so they can keep getting revenue, right? So it's a carrier based product, not a um, a Facebook product. But Apple probably doesn't want it to happen. Yeah, Apple doesn't want it either. No, but uh, and Apple and Apple won't play with Google. So, it, you know, there's turf wars. It's like you yeah. know, even your stupid like calendar. You're like your Outlook calendar is in sync with your Google calendar. It's like of course they're not. Don't even going get to. me started, man. Yeah, I mean, I mean, and, and this this is the problem. Unless you get, unless you get, which is not going to happen, right? Where you get say, hey, everybody's got to play nice, right? From the FCC, right. like that's not going to happen, right? Yeah, keep dreaming, and then, that's good and that's bad. But anyways, but there there has to be like. Some standards, right? You know, when you go to Best Buy, you don't worry this this device you're buying is going to fit into your outlet. I mean, unless you're buying a dryer, right? But you know, there there you know, government standards are good, yeah, generally. Yeah, yeah. All right, so let's close things off with the with our founder five today. First question I got for you today, Tommy, is what is the top KPI or metric that you are relentlessly focused on? Um. Messages sent. So, and what does that mean to you? Well, it means people are using my product. That means revenue is growing. That means uh, people are happy. Um, and we had our record month last month. So good, right? Nice. Best, best in twenty three years. So, Hell so yeah. people are using the product, um, and 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 customers are happy. Um, and and that, that's our top one. Um, and then second is revenue, and then third is number of signups and cancellations and so forth. Um, and, cool. Yeah. All right. Uh, what's a top tip for growth stage founders like yourself? Get somebody with gray hair that you like and respect personally, right? Not, not only from a moral perspective, but from a business perspective that has been around the block that can act as your advisor. Um, I have a, a lovely gentleman uh, named Peter Shore, who's he's kind of like my surrogate father. My father passed away when I was 27. Um, so it's nice to have someone that can see the forest from the trees, right? Like, you know, because sometimes you're a founder and you get so, you know, um, that you don't see the forest from the trees. You're, you're just looking at the tree and you're mad at the tree and you want to beat the tree up, right? Another thing is get balance on your executive team. Right. And this is not to be politically correct or woke. Get a gender balance because women see things differently than men. Right. They are wired differently and listen to them because you're both going to have different perspectives. Right. If you are all male or all female, that's bad. Right. Right. And, And try to get those different perspectives so you can be holistic and. And not make stupid mistakes. Only question. And not be so arrogant with your own vision. Why gray hair? Uh, you know more. You know you've lived longer. You know you've seen it here. before, huh? I think I might have one or two here somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, what's a uh, book or podcast that's helped you to grow as a founder? Um. Well, there was a a podcast I love listening to, but it's not. I don't really like business books. Um, and business podcast. I I like the podcast on being, which is on hold. It's more of a spiritual podcast, and it's more mm-hmm. about 
you know, keeping one centered and grounded and, um, you know, we're all of this, we're all humans, right? And we're all discovering ourselves um, and who we are as people. Um, and I, I think getting grounded from a spiritual sense is important too. And that could be nature. It can be, you know, a, a, an organized religion, whatever. Um, but that's important too. It, you know, for me, it's, it's nature. Um, it's critical. But uh, yeah. Yeah, it's mission critical. I mean, we forget business. But it's not a business. It's not a business. And I think she's starting back up again, Kristen Tippett. So uh, I used to drive on the drive up to Tahoe. I'd listen to it all the time. So awesome. she and she'd have different guests, you know, uh, rabbis, monks. Um, I'll check poets, that out. Um, it's really cool. All, yeah. all different people in their in their own spiritual journeys, right? Um, Very cool. So. Very cool. All right. What is a uh, piece of advice that counters traditional wisdom? Um, get out. Well, this is probably traditional wisdom, but travel, you know, go see the world. Yeah. I mean, the best thing for young people to do is get the heck out of you know, where you live. Right. And go see the world. And yeah. there's going to be places you like better. There's going to be places you don't. There's going to be people, there's going to be ideas. And, you know, even like we just talked about the Australian healthcare system. Right. Would I have known that if I didn't live there? No. Right. But I see how they live, right? I see how that works. I see how their democracy works, right? But we go out and travel, we experience only different food, different people. Some things work better, some things don't. And there's differences in societies. And travel, travel, travel. Get out, get out and see the world. Go buy around. You can buy around the world ticket for a couple thousand bucks. You get four stops per continent. Um, you know, got a year to use it. So any young person I talk to is like, go do it, right? Yeah. Love it. Go see those differences. All right. What is going to be the title of your autobiography when you accomplished all you set out to achieve? Followed his own path. Nice. All caps. Yep. Awesome, Tommy. Thank you so much for joining today on The Dirt. And I I hear uh, through the grapevine that you may or may not be looking at raising some capital uh, to help fuel the growth going forward. Is that correct? We are. Um, one of the things that concerns me is that one of these partnerships with Cisco or the, one of the CPAP providers really takes off and even partnering with the campaign registry. And we get 500 ISVs. We don't have the resources to support them right now. Yeah. Um, and, and from a technology perspective, the throughputs. And so we're looking at capital um, to help execute this, um, because if it happens, it's going to be huge um, and it is happening. Um, so we're worried about the resources that we currently have and we're looking for capital to help us execute. All right. Well, you folks listening in that are capital providers, give Tom your ring. What's the best way for folks to reach out to you for that through LinkedIn? Uh, you can email me tom.sheehan at redoxygen.com, and that's S-H-E-A-H-A-N, or call me 469-230-5018, or send me a text. There, yeah, there you go. Send, Probably me send him a text, as long as it'll go through. All right, Tommy yeah, Sheehan. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks, right. guys. If you loved today's episode of The Dirt, Make sure you rate it on your favorite platform. And if you really liked us, go ahead and leave us an honest review. Thanks again for tuning in to The Dirt.